Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Author, two-time TEDx speaker, singer, songwriter, and coach, Emma G uses the magic of music to empower, uplift, and motivate audiences worldwide. Born with a rare neurological condition called hydrocephalus, Emma G has recovered from multiple traumas, including 10 brain surgeries, by writing and singing her truth, sharing her experiences, and turning her lessons into blessings. Emma G's music and story are helping audiences overcome struggles, trauma, stress, and overwhelm to step up and into their own authentic power. In her book, My Life, My Songs, My Healing, Emma G shares her own personal story of how she has turned her trauma into tunes and struggles into songs to give her music an inspirational and authentic message. Singled out by Fox, The Washington Post and Thrive Global, the New Zealand-born singer-songwriter has expanded her mission of bringing light to the world one song at a time. As an award-winning influencer, empowering youth and adults equally as a teacher, lecturer and, of course, an award-winning musician, Emma G has created the perfect potion for potent and impactful change. Welcome, Emma, to The Ethical Evolution. Thank you so much. I'm um yeah, it's, it's it's I'm honored to be here. This is it's this is my first podcast in a while with somebody from down under. So thank you for reminding me of home. <laughs> well, yeah, you're joining us uh, from almost Washington DC, um, a long way from your little um, pond over this side of the world. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. Washington DC, Raglan, New Zealand, same yeah, thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Emma, for those people who don't know who you are and what you do, can you go ahead and tell us? Absolutely. So 
Hello, g'day, wherever you are in the world. Uh, my name is Emma G. I am a singer-songwriter based in Washington, D.C. However, um, in the wake of the pandemic especially, I realized, well, I've always realized that music is more than just music for me. It's a methodology and a means to communicate and heal. So I established Yes Youth Coaching, which is youth empowerment through songwriting coaching uh, back in 2019. And my whole mission is to save the world one song at a time through my music, through helping young people write their music, step into the, you know, the power of their voices, um, and, you know, help companies even to redesign and redefine company culture through the creative power, I, there's no other way to say it, um, of, of songwriting and music. Um, and so that's been my whole, like, mission and I've also been lucky enough in um you know as as a as a consequence of of this mission I've been now done a two TEDx talks and I've authored two books and I run a um a podcast TV show and it's a whole <laughs> weird creative preneur thing that I've got going on and I love it. It, it because at the end of the day it's all about helping people. Now, you sound a lot like me, Emma, in that you don't do things by halves. You're, you're all over the place and you've got your finger in many pies. <laughs> all of the pies. All of the pies. <laughs> but but take us back. I mean, you, you've you had um, a bit of a rough trot as well, um, health-wise. Take mm-hmm. us through your story um, there and how you got through that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so... It's always a weird question, like, take me back to when it all began. I'm like, I don't know, because, A, I was four months when I was diagnosed with hydrocephalus, um, and I don't know anybody whose brain is high-functioning that remembers being four months old, mm. let alone somebody who's had brain surgery at the age of four months old. But nonetheless, here we are. Um, I, so I was diagnosed with a relatively rare neurological condition called hydrocephalus when I was four months old. Um, this hydrocephalus literally translates to water on the brain. So while everyone's brains floats in water and that water changes by between 400 to 600 milliliters a day, um, most people have that water enter into their skull and then drain down their spinal column. For me, however, I have a cyst the size of my fist in the center of my cranium, which means that the, you know, the, <laughs> the brain matter um, is kind of squashed to the sides of my skull, which then ultimately means that the um, exit way for the water to drain out of has no way to get out. So at the age of four months, when they realized, oh, snap, her head is too big for her body, they, you know, um, ran some x-rays, ran some CT scans, um, and then inserted a tube or a shunt, um, which is basically a, a very long long, long tube from my brain down to my peritoneal cavity to drain out the excess fluid, um, which is fantastic and incredibly life-saving. But mm. it also meant that, you know, by the age of 12, I'd had 10 brain surgeries and 24 surgeries total. And that means that as a young person trying to navigate hormonal changes, let alone social changes and normal everyday kid stuff, I was also having to deal with brain trauma, um, <laughs> the, you know, the isolation from being in hospital for weeks on end, um, the weirdness of being called freak and Frankenstein, um, you know, falling back behind in school because of brain trauma, um, 
it was just a hard time, you know. Mm. And I still, you know, every now and then am directionally challenged and or something goes amiss and my fiance is like, are you okay? What's going on? <laughs> um, and, and we don't know if that's that's hydrocephalus related or not, but it's um it's been a, a, a like it's been a wild ride in the sense that when you compare my experiences to another young person's experiences, they are vastly different. However, my blessing, one of my blessings, is that I was diagnosed so early that I don't know any other way. Mm. But then the other blessing is, you know, of course, given that we all get dealt these traumas, we all kind of develop these coping mechanisms and tools to help us navigate these weird traumatic events that happen in our lives. And for me, that was music. Mm. And so, you know, music can be a great healer, as we both know. And when did you actually start writing songs? Oh, Bindi, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I, like, my mother used to say, I, I would, like, literally walk around my house at the age of two or three making up songs. <laughs> when I was four or almost four, my mother overheard me singing this song, Hush Away, that she was like, what the heck is my child singing? Um, so she wrote it down and... I actually sang it at the beginning of my my first TEDx talk last year um, because it's like it's such a child like innocent song, but at the same time, it was very I, I believe, and I think my mother said this to me as well. Like it was an example of a young person who'd been through crap trying to figure out how to make something positive mm. from it. Um, and then, but like, so, but literally pen to paper or actually fingers to Mac 95, <laughs> Microsoft 95, whatever it was. Um, the first time I actually wrote a song pen to paper was when I was five years old um, and about to go to school. And it was a song called School is Cool because education is important. Um, but yeah, by the time I was 12, I'd written about 400 songs. Whoa. Wow. So would you say, and I've, um, you remind me of another guest that I've had. Her name is um, Neda Boyne. She's from the Netherlands. And she wrote um, an album that was divinely guided through her based on A Course in Miracles. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I, no, and, I love that because Marianne Williamson is a friend of mine. So <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, carry on. And the world gets smaller. Uh, and so... She um, basically just sat there and it just flowed through her and it's the most divine thing you've ever heard. And, you know, I I guess for you it sounds like the songs, you're a vehicle for the songs as well. I, so it's interesting. I'm, um, you know, I've always been a very spiritual person. I've always had a sense of, of, I don't know, connection to the earth, connection to source, connection to the forest, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, my, my journey through spirituality has now led me to um, a church here in the D.C. metropolitan area, which I'm very happy with my decision. Um, but it was during one of the, one of the, um, one of the, it was a workshop, I think, that I've been through, I've been to, rather, that I was actually speaking at, 
Um, and, and this, you know, this journey of finding out who I want to be as a spiritual person, um, where one of the speakers, um, one of the other speakers said, to pray is to talk to God and to meditate is to listen. And I thought, that's really cool. I quite like that. But I want to take things one step further because it is my belief, to your point, that if we are to pray and talk to God, source, spirit, the universe, whatever, and we are, you know, to meditate is to like actually give ourselves permission to listen to the messages that come back. Songwriting for me is a manifestation of that conversation. Mm. So I totally agree with your, you know, with your other other guests is that like, songwriting every song I write there'll be times sure when I try to force it they're always crap Mm. they're terrible (laughs) but when I give myself really permission to be vulnerable and and honest and still that's when Mm. these things come out of me that I'm just like what (laughs) what is that who who that wasn't me who wrote that what's going on um you know there's so many of my songs that have been evidence of that. It's been wild. It's it's a really, I mean that makes that makes songwriting sound so woo woo. I don't mean <laughs> I don't mean it sound that, but you know, for me, it's it's very much a case of like healing and spiritual awakening and self love and self reckoning and self honesty. Mm. And yeah, it's for you to now help youth with you know, songwriting and also self-expression and creativity. There's a there's a power in creativity that opens up another side of people. Um, and, you know, if we get back to the neurological side of it, it opens up another side of our brain. Um, I and learn better. Yeah. Um, and, and just opens opportunities in other ways yeah. and, you know, we can express ourselves and, and really connect with a, a part of ourselves we normally wouldn't in day-to-day life. What drove you to do that with kids? So I don't work with kids. I work with teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why I'm, well, there's a number of of reasons. The first reason, teenagers are so often looked at as the most difficult age group to work with. Mm. And I hate that. Because I remember being a teenager, super misunderstood, mm. brain trauma aside, puberty aside, I also, and I don't know how TMI I can get here, but, you know, I endured a lot mm. when I was a teenager. Um, abuse, homelessness, losing people to suicide, losing people to drugs, losing, you know, like a lot. And um, it was actually when I was on my way to my ex-boyfriend's funeral that I kind of was like, I... You know, I've still maintained my own mental health, kind of, at that point. Um, but I need to do all I can. I, I Maybe this was like a a, a spiritual awakening for me. Um, but I, I just remember driving to his funeral going, I need to do something. I, this, my music, there's something I need to do with my music to help other young people to realize that this is not the end. Mm. That there is but there's something missing and I didn't know what it was. I was 19. Um, I'd been teaching vocals for two years, but I hadn't really gotten into youth work at that point. And I hadn't really gotten into, well, I definitely hadn't gotten into, you know, the empowerment coaching, but, um, 
Yeah, I, th- I think that was it. Like, and still to this day, you know, I, I'm 35 and just under a month. And gosh, that's wild. I'm 35 <laughs> just under a month. <laughs> I'm also getting married in just under a month. Which Congratulations on all fronts. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Best birthday present ever. Um, but, you know, even as a 35-year-old, I remember, I remember being a teenager. I remember feeling wildly mis- misunderstood, mm. wildly um, just struggling to feel heard and validated and seen and acknowledged and um, believed. Mm. And, you know, and so when I see these teenagers who have just come over, you know, out of a three-year pandemic and everybody's struggling, the teenagers, I think there's just not enough resources or not enough resources that teenagers are engaged in mm. um, that can really help them. Yeah. It's it's interesting, you know, that we're having this conversation right now because yesterday I was listening to a podcast uh, that had the US Surgeon General as a guest and they were talking about loneliness as just one of uh, the things that they were covering and um you know in particular teenagers and and also kids that have been through a pandemic like this is you know a whole radical thing that you know they've never experienced before as as you know the rest of us were the same boat but for them they're in a really developmental time you know like they're they're going into adulthood they're trying to find their identity and who they are and then they get locked away and it's like they're now in this this space where it's lonely they can't connect with their friends they can't go to school and then on the other side of it they've got to come out and find their new normal you know and really for teenagers that's such a critical time you know like you know there's something I do a lot of spiritual coaching as well Emma and lately one message has been coming through a lot is like sometimes things have got to break before they heal oh absolutely you know like (laughs) you think of a broken leg you know, it's going to yeah. hurt before it heals, right? And mm-hmm. it's like that, that whole teenage puberty time when we're trying to develop into an adult human, things are trying to heal. They're trying to stretch. They're trying to grow. And it's the same kind of concept. And we don't give teenagers that grace to do that. We hide them away. We shut them up. We push them aside. You know, we think they're a pain in the ass. Put them, push them aside. Get them out of my way when we mm-hmm. really should be supporting them. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, like, I totally agree with you. I do want to acknowledge, however, that this generation of kids are unlike any generation we've ever had. Absolutely. Purely because we've also raised this generation from the jump on technology. Yes. And on social media. And I'm not saying that to dog social media. I'm not at all um, what I am saying is that it's hard to, for, if you're a generation that grew up without it, to understand the nuances mm. of what it is like to grow up through it. Yeah. Um, it's like this whole thing of, of AI. Now, I'm not saying that AI is fantastic. I'm not saying it's crap. What I'm saying is it's here. Mm. We need to figure out ways to use it to our benefit and to our advantage in a healthy, productive um constructive way that can help you know build a stronger more resilient next generation as opposed to you know putting our kids in front of the tv and thinking it's going to do better for them 
than TikTok. Mm. Mm. I could not agree more. Yeah, and that's exactly another part of what the US uh, general uh, surgeon was saying was that social media has completely changed the landscape for these kids. Like it's like they, they are now judging themselves. They've now got this lens on their life that is like a comparison and I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that, I don't have this, I don't have that. And mm-hmm. it's just a whole layer that, you know, in my generation we didn't have and we can't understand that. Unless we're in it. But music can help change their whole perspective, can't it? Well, yeah, it's, I think the the way that I view music when it comes to social media in particular, it's, 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 it's a couple of things. One, my generation, millennials and Gen Z, like I'm one of the older millennials I get, but, um, but from even even millennials, even just a few years older than me, a lot of us struggle with having phone conversations, mm. let alone face-to-face communication. Mm-hmm. For Gen Z, it is so much worse. And so when you're, you know, expecting Gen Z to have these communication, you know, these, these conversations face-to-face and they're not able to, that's a problem. Mm. But also, you know, when we look at how social media, very few people of even, you know, millennials and older have taken the time to understand algorithms and how they work. Mm. That's also another issue. So the way that I have found this has helped is a couple of things. One, songwriting and music but specifically with songwriting, um, whether it's rapping or singing, helps people to tap into parts of their vocabulary and communication styles that normal face-to-face communication, essay writing, um, you know, research uh, projects, just doesn't doesn't even begin to come close to. Mm. I tested this out back when I was a university lecturer where a lot of our students or second chance learners have been incarcerated and were coming back to, into the, you know, into the education field and wanting to become better, but they were petrified of public speaking and essay writing. Mm. Do you know what they weren't petrified of? Rapping. Mm-hmm. So we got them to like essentially wrap their research um, and and study, you know, study the facts to put into their autobiographical, not, not autobiographical, their their research wraps and their their bio, <laughs> biographical wraps, um, you know. And I tell you, Bindi, the the the, the vernacular that they were like, I, I, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that doesn't even. I I can't even begin to tell you how astonishing it can be. And then when you take the, you know, the algorithms of social media into into um, play, when you have these young people creating educational, empowering, self-affirming songs that represent really who they are, um, they are accessing parts of their vocabulary that they might not be able to use so well in a face-to-face communica- conversation. Um, if they're able to then record that media, even if it's just like to a backing track that they mm. found on YouTube and then put that up as a TikTok video, that actually tells the TikTok algorithms, hey, this person wants to know more about 
self-love. This person wants to know more about why, you know, um, like Jay-Z's, you know, be be smarter, <laughs> be smarter about your life as opposed to hustling all the time. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like there's so many ways that we can navigate these mm. these things if we take the time to understand it first and then figure out a plan of how to move with it as opposed to against it. Mm. And this is um, also interesting in in what you've just said there uh, that the previous guest I was just talking about, um, Netta, she also. Um, would go into prisons and and work with incarcerated teens um, and get them to write songs. And it was Mm -hmm. generally raps they would do and that was their way of then connecting with the messages behind A Course in Miracles. But Mm -hmm. their their whole message changed and getting back to your theme there of communication – did you find that the message changed from one of, you know, like you, you hear rap songs nowadays and they're just full of rubbish and hate and stuff like that. Did they become yeah. more positive and more empowering? Yeah. I mean, generally speak, I mean, this was in New Zealand that I was teaching at university and so um, we're, we're very impacted uh, by the hip-hop culture of yeah. the States, but the, it's a totally different yeah. country, as you know. Yeah. So um, it wasn't nearly as provocative, I'd say, as what, you know, compared to, like, Biggie Smalls yeah. or even Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Um, but when you give people access to freely express themselves in a way that makes them... Um, stop and think about what they're, what is they're actually saying. That has provided um, some really beautiful, mm. you know, opportunities for them to actually show up positively for themselves. To bring that to present day work, with the work that I'm doing here in schools now around um, the DC metropolitan area, I'll often go into schools and predominantly work with the at-risk youth. Yep. Um, that's code for uh, lower socioeconomic communities, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, or those who just don't have the financial means or the uh, reach to, you know, have teachers who understand them and take the time to work with them. But nonetheless, um, a lot of the students that I that I work with in these schools, you know, they come to me all like, oh, yeah, I'm gangster. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here to, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. That's what the G stands for. I'm a gangster, just so y'all know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, but, and I say to them, look, you know, we're here to write. We're here to write songs and I want you to shop honestly and truthfully and things. Um, and I don't care if you cuss. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait a minute, what? And I was like, I don't care if you cuss. If you if you honestly feel like you are the only way that you can express yourself is to cuss about yourself, go ahead. Mm-hmm. But I tell them, um, I know that everybody here is big enough, smart enough, ugly enough to express themselves far more intelligently than that. So this is a challenge that you show up for yourselves and and be more intelligent with your word. In saying that, if you are going to cuss, make short rhymes. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that, okay. Uh, I have been doing this 
coaching now for going on four years. I have had one client cuss. Wow. Nicely done. And that client, and that client, the reason why they cussed, and I'm, I'm not mad about it at all, his father had just passed away from cancer. Mm. Sorry, his mother had just passed away from cancer. His brother had just been incarcerated, and his father um, was sick. I totally get it. <laughs> I'm not mad. Yeah. Wow. And he wrote it, of course. So, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. And it, it must be so rewarding for you to see them connect with that creative side and just like just nail something, you know, like whether it be a rhyme or whatever it be. Um, can you think of a highlight for you in, in the coaching that you've done that's really been a, an aha moment for you where you've just gone, yeah, that's it? Oh, gosh. I, I can literally – an hour before this conversation. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have a client. Um, she's actually 23. She's she's not um, not a teenager, but um, she started as a vocal client of mine and we've, we've transitioned into vocals and songwriting together. Um, she has been through some pretty difficult circumstances the past few months. She was diagnosed with a um, with a really scary thing. Um, nearly died uh, a, a couple of months back. Um, had to have emergency surgery. Has been she's been through the, the thick of it. Mm. Um, and she was not feeling like she could go on. You know, she was living in New York. Needed to come back to Maryland. She, she you know, there's a whole bunch of things um, were kind of turned upside down for her, and. Um, Tonight, after, you know, I, I sort of co- coaxed her out of the shadows a little bit um, and, you know, well, okay, you can stand now, so that's good. Let's let's get back into singing, okay, and, oh, you've been doing some writing, fantastic. Tonight we recorded her debut single um, with my producer in Baltimore and she called me on the way home crying again just an hour ago um, saying, I don't know what... How like I can't even begin to explain how I'm feeling right now when a couple of months back everything was over. I didn't so it, I was just like, you know, I'm in <laughs> I'm in tears thinking yeah. about it, you know, and that's what it's about. It's about like songwriting, music. This it's not just for shits and giggles, it's it's to it's to help people remember who they are. Mm. It's to help people feel empowered to remember things that they knew all along, mm. but are so scared to show up for, you know, um, and so scared to show people. Mm. And and it's it's just it's beautiful. It's beautiful to to be part of this that I get to be part of this process where people feel safe enough to be seen Mm. and feel safe enough to to see themselves and then feel powerful as they do so. That's, that's incredible to me. Mm. 
And I, I felt that all the way here, Emma. I was on the edge of tears with you right there and I was like, oh, <laughs> that one got me in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm all about punching people in the feelings. <laughs> I'm not aggressive, but when it comes to emotions, I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've uh, just done another TEDx talk. Uh, you've done two now, um, which yes. are incredible. Um, Thank you. And so engaging. And you rock up with your guitar and you sing along and you, you tell your message. And mm-hmm. that's what I love about you is you just you just integrate the whole thing and you take the message with you. If you can share just a snippet with us um, of one of the songs that you shared uh, in one of the TEDx talks. One of the things about everything I do, really, um, I get summarised by a Native American tale that I learned about, oh, gosh, 2021, I think it was. Um, You know, because I... I, like most people, dove deep into my own mental and spiritual health, Um, especially, you know, as I'm balancing the coaching stuff, you need to make sure that your own cup is full so that you can then fill others. Mm. Um, But one thing that I um, stumbled across one day was the the story of the wolf um, or the wolf that you feed. And the the tale is um, grandfather... And his grandson are talking about these two wolves that live inside of us at all times. Um, and the grandfather was telling the, the grandson about, you know, how one wolf is the wolf of anger and and um, bitterness and everything negative, hate and fear and just horrible, horrible things. Um, and then we've got the other wolf of the, you know, the wolf of love and positivity and hope and, and, you know, power and all the, all the good things that we want to hold on to. Right. Um, but these wolves are constantly fighting with each other. Okay. The grandson looks at his grandfather and says, well, which wolf wins the fight if they're always fighting? And the grandfather replies and says, the wolf you feed. Mm. And that's what this song is about. I fade 
Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for that. Thank you. No, of course. It's um I know it's not the most orthodox of of approaches when it comes to the music industry. I think when people think of musicians, they think of Britney and Iron Maiden and you know Taylor Swift. Um and that's great. I mean, they all have their mm. their stories and their messages and things, but I really, you know, am, am very passionate about making sure that my music is the kind of music that makes an impact and helps people to feel themselves again. Mm. Mm. Which is not something that we hear in in everyday pop music nowadays is it like uh, i'm just saying you, you know <laughs> like you know some of the messages you know and this is i think the central theme uh for us today emma is you know what is our message like if you were to turn to someone today and go you know if you have one message to give to the world um which well it's very close to my final question i'm going to give you you know what would that message be like I'm sure there's many people who would be like, mm, I don't know. I love that question though. That's a great question. I should ask people that. In DC, we go to these like corporate networking events all the time and, you know, there's always that person that's like, so what do you do? Like and you can just tell that it, not one person, everybody's like that. And it's always like, what do you do? How can I you know, how can I use that to my advantage? Mm. Um, I kind of refute that question. I'm like, I don't want to know what you do. I want to know what you did, what you wanted to be when you were five years old. And is what you're doing now making you happy? That's always my question. And one of my, one of my two questions that I ask people, but I think from now on, I'm going to start asking people, if you had one message for the world, what would that message be? That is a great question, Bindi. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, share that goodness around. <laughs> and yes, no, I, I I feel you too because last was it last week I was at a networking uh, thing down the Gold Coast and uh, you know you, you're meeting people you've never met before and you're like, oh here we go. What do you do? Where are you from? <laughs> you know? And it's like, nah, like I can't do that small talk anymore. I kind of no. I kind of want to know what lights you up. I kind of want to know what you're here to do. Why are you here to change? Yeah. And um, exactly. and that's my my core theme of everything that I do. So, yeah, when I then get into a conversation with someone who I can see the lights are on, I'm like, oof, yep, you're my person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think exactly. that's why you're here, Emma. Um, now, you've, you've done some writing as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. So I've got two books currently. Um the first one is very me centric. It's a, it's called My Life, My Songs, My Healing, Turning Struggle, you know, Turning Struggles into Song. Um, and it's very much about my music and how um every song that I've ever written has served, well, not ever written, ever released, um, up until the point of the writing of the book has um served me in some way, shape, or form. The second book um is called Reconnect with Your Teenager, a parent's guide to having a stressed or anxious kid through the art of songwriting. And it's very much like a mother's handbook to helping their creative daughter um, to express themselves with them. 
so that, you know, we can get that mother-daughter connection back, which I know so many parents struggle with. Mm. Um, But I also know that a lot of young people don't want to talk to their parents about what's really going on for them. So, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I do the coaching is just to help, you know, be a bridge for, for that communication. Um, but then, you know, after my last TEDx presentation, um, tr- you know, uh, from Pain to Playlist, Training Struggles into Song, I decided I wanted to combine the messages of both of my books. So the book is called the same thing, From Pain to Playlist, Training Struggles into Song, and it's literally a, a document of, I think it's going to be 30, 30 chapters, 30 songs, um of of songs that I've written but not just about me this is about like the messages Mm. I've learned and recorded in the songs that I've written um you know songs like the wolf I feed about recognizing that we are all in control we're only ever one decision away from the rest of our lives right Mm. um songs like living proof which I wrote for Marianne Williamson um you know about the you know the recognizing that we've come so far already we need to carry on because we're strong enough to keep going. We are living proof that love does win, so let's keep winning. Um, you know, so on and so forth. So that, that's it's it's a work in progress. I'm finishing up the first draft at the moment, but my first two books will give you a kind of indication on um, on what it is I do and how you know you can take those tools upon yourself and utilize that for your own creative journeys. Mm. As you were talking then, I had a message come through that was, um, and I just looked at the clock at the same time and it was 11.11 here when you said it. Um, There's no coincidence here um, that, (laughs) um, don't let me lose it now, spirit, Um, that you're you're an emotions dealer. That's what you are. Mm. You're an emotions dealer through the messages that you share and the music that you create and the song that you ultimately deliver, you're an emotions dealer because I like that. what you're actually delivering in your message is quite empowering, it's quite uplifting and it has meaning and it can move people. Thank you. I was for a long time used to the term hug dealer to uh, <laughs> to describe myself because I am the giver of hugs, but I like motion sealer. Mm. I think that's a really a really beautiful way to put it. Probably a bit more of a global concept too. You know, you, to do with oh, it what boy. you will. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Emma, like if people are as jazz as I, I am about you, uh, and they want to get in touch, where can they go? Of course, um, literally Google Emma G. You will see my face, um, which feels weird to say, but my SEO people are <laughs> really good at what they do. Um, but if you want to find me, emmagmusic.com or emmagmusic on Twitter, on Instagram, um, and on TikTok, or emmagspeaks on Facebook. Love it. Now, I've got that last big question for you. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? The change I want to see in the world is for people to, how do I put this? I think the biggest change I would like to see in the world is to have 
everybody understand themselves better and understand how to communicate themselves better and understand how to communicate themselves better so that we can live in a world where there is more healthy dialogues around even difficult like topics mm. um you know obviously it's easy to say things like i want a, a world that's free of fear but fear is important mm. <laughs> we need to have fear um having a world without bigotry comes back to lack of communication and lack of understanding and lack of ways to listen and ways to be heard so i, I think yeah if we can have a, a world where everybody has the tools and means to both communicate and and hear one another more effectively, I think that would be a beautiful place to live. Mm. And that change begins with us. So really, if we, if we can just start the conversation in a, in a kind and, and connecting way, uh, well, we're going to make that world even smaller and closer. Absolutely. Emma G, you're incredible. Thank you so much for being a part Thank of the you. Ethical Evolution. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.